It's a Mailbag Monday. We're taking all your questions about the Rockies and the Cardinals, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, and the guy who probably should argue he's the number one prospect in baseball, Mariners outfielder Julio Rodriguez. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. It's another Mailbag Monday, and as I said in the open, we do, you know, lots of questions. These are all your questions, listener questions. If you have something for the show, multiple ways to get it to us. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. Tweet, DM, either one of those. You can send your questions via email, lockdownmlbprospects at gmail.com. But we're starting off with a question from Scott on Twitter. And Scott asked me, he said, now that the Mariners have Jesse Winker, and obviously they had Jared Klinik already, do we see Julio Rodriguez on the opening day roster? And the, the logical part of me says, yes, you need to have Julio Rodriguez on the opening day roster. The cynical part of me says, no, you're not going to. So let's kind of break this down. So um, on the the cons of why you wouldn't necessarily... Okay, no, let's do this. Positive first. Reasons you would see him on the opening day roster is, one, Seattle looks like they are set up now to compete for the division. And Julio Rodriguez has the potential to be... I mean, he's going to be the face of Seattle baseball for a while. He has the potential to be an all-star player, one of the best players in baseball. You get a guy like that on the field as soon as possible. He's been playing some center field. He started doing that at the end of the year last year. He's been uh, doing that all spring. It's not been very long, obviously, but he's been doing that in spring. And so it's really easy to figure out, okay, he comes up, he can be your center fielder, you're good to go. And Jerry Depoto, president of baseball operations, actually had some comments about this. You know, uh, he was asked about it and he says, you know, I think in a lot of ways he's intent on wowing us and he always has. We throw him pitches and he knocks them out of the park. He's a wonderful kid. He's well adjusted. He's incredibly talented. I think he's ready for the challenge on the big stage. And so that kind of indicates there's not barriers and restrictions in front of him to make the opening day roster. And so, you know, kind of leads you to think he's going to make it. And then when you kind of keep on going, um, you look at the cons of this whole thing. And it's, well, one, we saw Kalinic come up last year and struggle, have to go back down and come back up. Uh, you do look at the obvious implication of the CBA did not necessarily fix service time manipulation other than if the guy that you call up is a finalist for one of the awards, in this case, Rookie of the Year or MVP of the Year, uh, MVP of the year is what would apply to Rodriguez, then you can receive additional draft pick compensation for him getting those awards. And I don't know if that is enough for Seattle to not try to maneuver to get an extra year of control. And then you have the obvious lineup questions. You've got Winker, you've got Kalinick, you've got Hanniger. 
Um, Kyle Lewis is probably your best center fielder, but health-wise, he's not going to be available most of the time. And so, kind of right there, you have you add you have the DH, but you have four guys for four spots. You add Rodriguez, that's a fifth. And so, I want to believe Julio Rodriguez is going to start the season in Seattle. What I think is more realistic is they are going to send him to AAA with the the explanation of they want to get a little more work in on his center field defense before he comes up. And then they will run some combination of Lewis, Kalinick, uh, Hanniger, and Winker in the outfield and DH. Not quite sure who's going to be where. They may rotate guys up, you know, days off or whatever. And then if you see Kyle Lewis get hurt again, or one of those three guys, Winker, Kalinick, Hanniger, struggle, is when Julio Rodriguez gets called up and probably, not for sure, but probably never goes back down. Unless he has a, he kind of falls on his face a little bit like Jared Koenig did last year. But I kind of feel like that's what's most likely is he starts the year in AAA because of working on defense. And then right after that cutoff for Super 2, he comes up and he's up for the rest of the year. And he may actually still do well enough to be in contention for one of those awards and then get the draft pick compensation anyway. But I feel like the extra year of controls were going to be more important to them than the draft pick. We'll see what happens. Another question from Twitter, our friend Aiden, um, if who, if you'll remember is working on a podcast for the Colorado Rockies uh, for their minor league system, specifically the double a Hartford yard goats. But he asked about Chris McMahon and Brenton Doyle. And so one of these is easy, one of these is not, right? Britton Doyle is a 2019 fourth rounder. Didn't live up to the huge expectations in 2021, but um, but still like had a good season. Tons of raw tools. I mean, plus, plus raw power. The kid's just strong. Above average speed, above average arm strength. Uh, so like defensively, Looks to be really good. He won a minor league gold glove in right field. Uh, projects to be an above average defender, whether it's center or right. But offensively, he's got power, but he's got questions. I mean, he struck out 32% at high A Spokane. And so that's something where he's got to improve his pitch recognition. And he's got to get a little bit more um, ability to cover the zone. Cover high and low in the zone. So, But even like even despite all that, uh, he was almost, it was almost a 2020 season. And so you look at him and you're like, tons of potential. If he can figure out getting the ball in play more often, he's going to succeed Charlie Blackman as your starting right fielder for the Rockies. It's just a question of, can he make the offensive adjustments? I'd look for him to go back to Spokane start of the year, move up to AA Hartford. Hopefully he does well. If he kills it, you could potentially see him at AAA by the end of the season, but I just, he feels like a guy that, that they're not afraid to move quickly if he can put it together because they believe in what he is. Uh, Chris McMahon, the other guy that was asked about a little bit of controversy as far as what he really is, uh, how good he really is. I see, seen different reports, but the thing on him, I see him as a middle to back end starter. If he can improve the fastball and can improve uh, some of the control. The, the fastball is kind of average. He's got good velo on it. He can get up to 95 or so. 
but it just doesn't have a lot of a lot of extra movement. It's like very, you know, the the movement profile of it, it's just a nice straight ball, which isn't necessarily a great thing at the major league level. Um, just doesn't get a lot of tilt on it, not a lot of movement. It's not like plus velocity. I mean, it's 91 to 95. It can touch 97, but it's not anything to outstanding. And so it needs to it needs to move more for it to be better than what it is as an average pitch. Uh, the the changeup is one of the better pitches in the organization. It's a very good changeup. I mean, it can it can run 17 inches, like on average. Uh, it's almost kind of like reverse slider. Like if you um, if you're a lefty and they throw it, it'll kind of like you throw it at the middle of the zone. It's going to run off the plate and you're going to chase it. So it's a really good pitch. I like the changeup a lot. Uh, the 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 slider is above average. It's fine. He can do some work on it. Um, it's average. And so that's just something where you've got to figure out the fastball, the 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 fastball, the the fastball changeup combo work well, but it's because the changeup is so good. The fastball needs to be better, and you need to get that that secondary pitch as well in the slider to kind of figure out what you're doing. If you can work all of that, you are a middle to back into the rotation starter. So he'll go to Double A this year. He'll do some work, and hopefully from there. Uh, you'll see him move up rather quickly, and I can I can expect by twenty three or twenty four he's in Seattle contributing at a at a high level. And in just a minute, I do want to talk about the Diamondbacks and the Padres. I had some interesting questions there uh, from from Wesley via email. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. It is that time of the year again. College basketball tournament is here, so. Uh, whether it's odds, contests, player props, things like that, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info and remains your best spot for all your scores and news this season. You're not a big basketball fan? Uh, you know, college basketball fan? That's fine. Pro basketball is here. We've got UFC. We've got NHL. The MLB stuff is now up and active. I just got an email the other day about odds for Rookie of the Year and division winners and all of that. Very excited to, to kind of break that out in just a little bit and talk more about that. In the meantime, head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Okay, so Wesley via email, a uh, couple questions here. And the first one he said is like, what would it take for the Padres to move the contracts of Eric Hosmer or, um, or Myers or both? And would you use a top four prospect to do it? And if you did, who would it be? And so I think the big thing here is I don't want to use a top four prospect to get rid of a bad deal. And I understand the Padres have luxury tax concerns. They were rather close to the line. I think they're going to be okay, but you can kind of see it's it stopped them from being able to, to make significant moves. They went out and traded for Luke Voigt, but they wanted Freddie Freeman, and they just could not find a way financially to make it work. So if I'm looking at this top four, you know, C.J. Abrams is probably going to have to play short to start the year because of um, the injury. Uh and so, like, that's something where, obviously, you're not going to move him. Uh, I'm still a believer in Mackenzie Gore. We had that conversation a couple weeks ago with Javier Reyes. And we're actually, uh, this week, we're having another conversation with our friends from Locked on Padres talking a lot of this stuff. So I'll ask him and go into more depth on this. 
But Robert Hassel, Luis Campusano, I don't think you move any of those four guys. I think what's going to happen is San Diego is going to hope that one of those two guys that that either, or I mean, preferably both, but one of those two, Myers or Hosmer, will rebuild some value this spring. And then when the deadline comes, you overpay for assets at the deadline because you have so few options. And so like it is cheaper to trade for a player in the offseason than during the season. So what the Padres need is one of those two guys to go off and then a team need help at the deadline and give up even a minor prospect just to get rid of that salary. Look at what uh, happened with Eddie Rosario last year. They traded Eddie Rosario and cash to the Atlanta Braves for Pablo Sandoval, who was on a vet minimum deal with Atlanta and outside of the first two weeks of the season hadn't done anything. They immediately cut him. They gave Rosario, they paid for Rosario to go away, and Eddie Rosario goes out, crushes it all fall, uh, wins a World Series, is a MVP of, I think he was MVP of the NLCS or the World Series, either one, uh, and then just re-signed a deal in Atlanta. So I see something like that where you don't necessarily give a prospect up to move Hosmer or Myers, but you hope one of them rebuilds value, and then you ship them out for practically nothing just to get them off the books. I don't think you trade one of those top four. If it's me, I'm not trading one of those top four. Um, the Padres need to keep talent anyway. They need to not trade these guys, period, but especially not just to get rid of a bad contract. Um, definitely not a thing I want to do. And then some some more questions here from Wesley about the Diamondbacks. And so he he asks about Slade Sassoni and Tommy Henry. And the question for Slade is, is he a potential number one or number two? So, uh, first round supplemental guy in 2020. And I think the big thing here is he was hurt last year. So when you kind of looked at um, how he did in 2020 when he was, uh, obviously did a lot in college, but like alternate site instructs and stuff, he was fastball average 95 and was getting up into 98, 99. The slider looked like a wipeout pitch. And then last year he had left wrist and right elbow issues. And so you saw the fastball sitting 92-93, slider not moving as much. I feel like Slate Sassoni, one, has the, 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 the body to be able to add a little bit more um, muscle, develop a little more, a little more strength. But I think a lot of it, too, was just not being healthy. He ended up actually, uh, the elbow in, ended up ending his season early. Now, he went to the fall league, but but still, like, Serious issues, and whenever it's an issue with something like an elbow or a wrist on a throwing arm, I understand his stuff not looking the same. I think the player we saw in 2020 is closer to the real Slate Sassoni than what we saw in 2021. And so I genuinely do think he still is probably going to be a, a number two hit what's what your target is right now. Uh, start him off at high A. Be looking, and we talk about this with pitchers, be looking to promote him aggressively to figure out his true level. But he just needs, he needs reps. He needs innings. He needs a chance to figure this out against high-level hitters. Leave him in high A for a little bit to get his confidence back, that his stuff is back where it should be, and then start moving him up. Let him get that higher level of competition. Let him throw that 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 uh, AAA in Major League Baseball. Uh, let him figure out what he's doing. So that by 23 or 24, 
he can be we can be discussing him entering your rotation versus what is he what is his true level so by you know start him off in high a if everything goes correctly if the stuff looks back to normal my goal is by the end of the year i want to see him at least getting a cup of coffee in triple a i want to see him throwing to those that level of hitters with that baseball so that we can discuss a mid-season call up in 23 but again, a lot of this comes back to what is his what is he going to look like? What is his fastball velo going to be? How much is that slider going to move? Is it going to is it going to go back to being a wipeout slider or is it just going to be an average to above average pitch? The other question was about Tommy Henry. And Tommy Henry's a guy, I mean and and Wesley actually alluded to this in the email, but like watching him in the College World Series for Michigan, uh just helping them make a memorable run back in 2019. So, he was because he was seen as so like polished and developed as a pitcher, he went to double A to start his first full season in 2021 20, and just struggled. Okay. 23 starts, had a 5-2-1 ERA. And it's something where his fastball velocity was down a little bit. He was throwing about 91, 92 or so. Um slider and curveball both looked kind of iffy. The change is a is a, a average to above average. And I feel like as the season went on, he learned how much more he needed to throw the change just to kind of keep hitters from sitting fastball. And so I like that he's been able to develop that a little better. But the curveball, the slider are both not great. I honestly kind of think maybe, and I think baseball America alluded to this too. I kind of think maybe you just try to combine those pitches into some slurve type of pitch. So you can have, you know, three above average to plus pitches. You can have a fastball, you can have a change, and you can have a breaking pitch and a slurve just to give people different profiles out of the hand. Um, his in, The internal numbers that Arizona had kind of said that he had a lot of bad luck. You know, you look at like batting average ball, on balls in play, things like that. He, his ERA, he pitched more like somebody with a with a high threes ERA than a low fives. So part of that's luck, part of that's skill, and part of that I have to think too is workload. I mean, he goes from yes, you pitch a lot in college, but it's it's different than pitching in the pros. And you know, in in college you're doing one start a week, and then you'll do a bullpen midweek, things like that. You know, two bullpens or whatever. Whereas in the minors, you're pitching every five days, and you're it's a lot longer of a season. And so I can see the workload getting to him. That's your physical development. That's your strength and conditioning. Uh, a lot of that, I can see that getting better. So I still think Tommy Henry can be a back-end starter for Arizona. Um, they're they're going to probably start him back at double-A this year, go double-A to triple-A. And then depending on how his AAA year goes, you're looking at a 2023 call-up, maybe a mid-season 23. But I still think he has the stuff to be a four or five. What you need to work on with him is rebuilding that velocity, bringing that velocity back, and then conditioning. Because you're, the goal of the four or the five is to throw innings. You need 150, 200 innings a year out of that guy. You know, If you can get 150 innings from your number five, you're happy. And so... Uh, he needs to physically be prepared for that uh, full season of baseball and and the demands that he's going to have if he's going to fulfill the, his use as a four or five. And in just a minute, talking about um, 
fulfilling you know use and, and what guys can do. I want to talk about some of the unheralded guys in the Cardinal system, as well as figuring out what their catching situation is going to be in the future. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Um, this is the time of year where everybody's thinking about, okay, spring break is here. Um, summer's coming up. I got to get in shape. I got to be healthy. And I got to tell you, Built Bars are incredibly helpful for that. So they are the protein bars that are covered 100% real chocolate. They taste as good as candy bars, if not better. Uh, and they all are, you know, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein. Like they don't have a ton of calories. They fill you up and they taste good because they're covered in 1% real chocolate. The flavors, lots of flavor options, mint brownie, white chocolate cookies and cream, coconut almond, cherry barcia, all that kind of stuff. And then on the website, they have all kinds of other products as well. They have the puffs, the protein-infused marshmallows. They have broth for after you've worked out. All kinds of options. So go to built.com, uh, check out the list of everything that's there, all the products, all the flavors, everything they have. While you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. So Charma sent me an email and, and asked about... I asked, Two questions. One was some of the underrated prospects in the Cardinal system. And the second was about Kesher of the future. So underrated prospects in the system. I'm going to kind of want to give you three and different explanations for why they're underrated. So the first one I want to talk about, number 16 prospect, Andre Pallante. Um, I'm not necessarily going to say he's underrated. I just think, he, okay, so 20, uh, 2019 fourth rounder out of UC Irvine and didn't go to the alternate site in 2020, but then looked great in 21, uh, finished up a triple A, then went to the Arizona fall league. But I think the thing with him is you look at him, I mean, six foot 200, he's not incredibly physically imposing, but then when he gets up there and he's averaging 95 miles an hour in a fastball and he can hit 98, and not only can he do that, but it cuts, it moves late, it breaks bats. It is a good pitch. It is above average to plus pitch. And it's just not something you necessarily expect from a guy of that stature. You think of these guys that throw 98, you think of these, you know, the incredibly big, big, bulky guys covered in muscle. <coughs> Six foot 200, kid can chuff. So. Uh, Changeup is average, sliders above average, uh, curveball, one of those hard hammer curveballs, but he can't command it too well. So it's something where um, he 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 has average or so control. Struggled a bit at times last year. Uh, I think he's a guy where he's underrated because there's questions about is he going to stick as a starter or not, and I think he could develop into a starter. But I think if you put him in the bullpen right now for St. Louis, he's going to be a weapon in the bullpen for you. Um, and so I look for them, find ways to get him into the game, get him get him at bats at the major league level. He's a guy who I think, despite being, what, the 16th overall, like 16th prospect in the system, I think you can see him at the major league level in 2022. Um, I like him. I like what he does. I think he's a good player. Um, another guy, Ian Bedell, number 37 in the system. And I think he's underrated because he had a torn UCL and Tommy John last year. But when you watch him pitch, so before that, he's got really good control. I mean, plus control, 
He can spot the ball both sides of the plate. He can go high. He can go low. He can put the ball wherever he needs to put it. He's got fastball in the low 90s. Um, I think as he heals back from Tommy John, that'll get better. His velo will go up a little bit, as well as some physical development. I mean, 6'2", 198. Again, he's got room. Uh, 2024th round guy out of college. And so he's got some space to, to, to grow and improve a bit. Change up is above average. He's got a pair of breaking balls that I like. And so kind of not talked about a lot being, you know, 37th prospect in the system. But I think he's a guy as he heals and comes back from TJ, you're going to see a lot that you really like out of him. Uh, you know, and he can absolutely contribute at a high level to this team. And then the third guy, number 18 in the system, Edwin Nunez. So um, was suspended for a year because of age issues. International free agent. But um, he's got a fantastic fastball. I mean, it's elite. 70 grade. Uh, upper 90s, he can hit 100. It's got sinking life to it. He does. He struggles to command his other pitches. He can't locate his slider. It's more of a slurvy kind of shape to it. Can't locate the slider that well. Um, the changeup, he's got a power changeup. He needs to get better at it. And so whenever you have a guy, to me, that at the age that he is, which I believe he's 20 now, 21 maybe, not sure. MLB had a whole thing about that. Um, I think he's a guy that, that because his delivery is so, so repeatable and he can control the fastball so well that if you can develop a secondary pitch, he's absolutely a guy that can be an impact late inning reliever for you sooner rather than later. Um, they're being patient with him, but it's just something where I like how good the fastball is that I feel like you can take that and you can build something out of him. So he's rated 18th. That's probably the right place for him, but I, I think he's kind of overlooked because the assumption is he can't do anything other than throw a fastball. And that's somewhat right, but he can throw that fastball really well. It's a really good fastball. So there's something there you can build off of. And then the other question from Jarmer was about um, the plans for catching. And I really think that the catcher of the future, and I think you'll know this by the All-Star break, the catcher of the future is probably Ivan Herrera. So you've got Julio Rodriguez in the system, different Julio Rodriguez, um, defensive first catcher. I just don't think he'll ever hit enough to be a starter. Ivan Herrera uh, was an IFA out of Panama in 2016. Um, really struggled offensively at double A last year. Uh, and part of that was, you know, he was at the alternate site working with, with Yachty and spring training and things like that, but he wasn't, he didn't play ball and he has a, he has an above average bat. And obviously last year was 229, 342, not a good year. Still hit 17 home runs and 360 at bats. So he's got skills with the bat. He just, he, I don't think he, he doesn't have great exit below. He's not going to be, you know, an offense, like a, a silver slugger at catcher. But I do believe that um, when he gets a little bit more into coming back from that layoff, he's going to, his, his offense is going to improve enough. Like he makes, enough, he'll make enough contact to pick up extra base hits. He won't be an automatic out. You won't have to bat him ninth in the lineup. Um, and then, as he gets more live reps in game, his defense is going to improve. Um, he obviously, he his receiving 
took a step back because he lost a whole season. But I feel like that's going to improve, especially with a guy like Yadi Molina uh, in the organization who knows so much. Um, a lot of it's going to come down to kind of focus and like mentally locking in on on the work required to be a starting catcher, but I think he can do it. And so I think you'll know by the midpoint of the season, offensively, has he picked up enough where he's your new catcher um, for the future? And at the midpoint of the year, if you don't see anything, I would look for St. Louis to go try to draft a catcher kind of high in this draft. There's a lot of uh, college catchers. We've talked about this the year of the catcher. Somebody like a Kevin Parada out of Georgia Tech or somebody like that would be if 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 the Cardinals take a catcher kind of early in the draft, you know they don't feel great about Ivan Herrera. Uh, so that that there's kind of your answer. Doesn't give you right now, but I think you'll know this season whether or not Ivan Herrera is going to be the guy or not in the future when Yadi's finally finished. Uh, speaking of Kevin Parada, we're going to have uh, college baseball Tuesday tomorrow. So if you're there's anything you want to hear about, any teams you want to know about, um, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm, and you can email us prospects at gmail.com. We're going to have a friend come on to talk about the University of Tennessee's baseball team and how amazing they have been, led by pitcher Chase Dollander. Uh, but until then, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Mm-hmm.